0: what brooklyn sounds like hello. hello welcome to objection to the rule Is that Violet? Do I hear you there?
1: Yes. Hey, Teresa. Hi,
0: Violet. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back on the show.
0: Yes, it's been a while. It's good to hear from you. So um, welcome to Objection to the Rule, everyone, live from Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Teresa, and I'm here with Violet Barron, and we are still awaiting our special guest, Nicole Monroe. How are you, Violet?
1: I'm doing, I'm doing well. You know, I, uh, I'm in the process of a big move, so everything's a little bit jumbled around in my life, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to be uh, back in the show. I'm very excited to hear from our guests today.
0: Okay. That's awesome. So I'm just going to go ahead and... How are you
1: doing, Teresa?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. A little uh, lonely in the studio without you. <laughs> but yes. thanks to Aaron, we are live and on air. So we're going to jump right into the local news while we are still awaiting our guest. She was having some travel issues with the L train, uh, which is doing right. something funky today as usual. Um, but nonetheless, we are here. So let's just jump into these local news stories, shall we? Sounds good. All right. So first up. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about MTA's approach to homelessness. So this week, uh, a local homeless outreach contractor hired by the MTA will be investigated by the MTA inspector general after an audit and a surveillance period showed not only limited resources for homeless individuals, but what appeared to be a complete disregard for their welfare. Uh, for example, the report from AM New York suggested that two employees were observed yelling um, the name of the homeless individual lying next to an outreach office saying, get the hell out of here and uh, you just can't be here. So this is really disheartening, right?
1: It is. It is, definitely.
0: How do you think organizations can get this far removed from their original purpose?
1: You know, I think it's probably a combination of things. It is really disheartening, first of all. You know, it's like an emotional reaction. I think a lot of us get to hearing that because, we want to think that uh, there's one place, at least, where the homeless will be, if not welcomed, then at least respected, you know, and honored and given uh, given a common courtesy. Um, but uh, I think it might have to do with a uh, combination of things like, you know, things get lost in bureaucracy, things get lost uh, when when there's limited funding, you know, and uh, limited ability to hire the right kinds of people for these positions. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure how, how we got here. I'm curious what you think as well.
0: Well, I'm not sure either. I do know that um, there is always a rise to homelessness in the city, and we see a lot more of that in the summer months, um, simply because there's really not a lot of places. The shelters are really full. And a lot of times, you know, our homeless population ends up Um, in the subway just to stay cool or um, to even look for some help. So it's really unfortunate that at this time that the organization that's designed to help them is now treating them as if, you know, it's a problem. I'm not quite sure um, what they seek to accomplish by this. Right. Yeah, so how do we make sure that things like this don't continue to happen? I think we need to sort of name
1: and, well, they say name and shame, but, you know, name... The problem, make sure people know that it's going on, uh, and make sure that the outreach center knows that it's not acceptable. You know, uh, I think protests can be effective and definitely just discussing these uh, issues when they come up, because uh, we know that it's happening, but they need to know that it's not acceptable.
0: Exactly. And I also think that, you know, there could be a shift in the way that these services are provided. You know, maybe just, um, some changes to the formatting, you know, how people are received into the service. I know that in my work, um, with my students, I've noticed that every time I'm trying to get them some services or send them to a place like a shelter, there's always a drawback. There's always, um, almost just like a, a system of confusion of where to go and what the rules are. So maybe just an overall, um, you know, new view on how to deal with this as the homeless um, population increases in New York, especially, you know, during now when the economy is having such a problem from the bottom down.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Just having someone, like you said, uh, you've been in that role, someone who knows What's going on, you know, because a lot of homeless aren't uh, necessarily native to New York. A lot of homeless don't have the resources just to know what's available to them and uh, how they can seek help. So
0: exactly, that's a really good point. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, and as the population increases, you know, I definitely think there is a need to kind of just figure out how they're allocating those resources a little bit better. It's not the same problem as it was last year or the year before that, you know. Yeah, all right. So moving right along. Um, State Senator Liz Krueger and Assembly Majority Leader Crystal People Stokes, the sponsors of the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act um, in New York State, are promising to push the bill against the 20 again in 2020, despite its recent failing um, to move forward due to the lack of support in the Senate. So this is really interesting. Uh, some states are for it. Some states are not. Um, It's obvious that things are changing right now with this whole conversation. I think it's important to highlight that not only uh, as they change the information of that's available to us as far as the uses and the differences between marijuana and cannabis is also um, bringing up a lot of discussion about things that may not have been known um, about the plant before. So a lot of talk around this proposed bill focuses on social and economic justice regarding communities of color that have been negatively impacted by the war on drugs. Um, a bill amendment was added this past May in an attempt to address this issue. But by increasing proposed marijuana taxes and positioning communities disadvantaged by drug enforcement, um, they are supposed to benefit from some sort of revenue um, on these changes. How do you think a pro- program like this could work effectively? I think I think that
1: keeping the focus on that, keeping the focus on sort of restorative. Uh, uh, allocation of those um, fund, those taxation funds uh, to start off, you know, because that's that's a lot of the conversation that we hear when we uh, hear about legalization. You know, many people are still in jail for pro- and yeah. in prison for protracted sentencing for things that are legal now. You exactly. know, so. We need to bring it back to those communities and to those families who are still suffering from, you know, what used to be on our law books.
0: Right. I think a a useful way to use those funds would just be um, just more community education and also connecting to the families that have been impacted by this. Specifically, not to single out anybody, but people who have been impacted by this within the last five years. I think it'll be a little bit easier to kind of bring those cases to the forefront and talk about how the legislation is changing and what can be done to help those families. Because I feel like a lot of them have no idea what to do. It's like this bill comes into act and the law changes. And then it's like, now what, how do I even help my family member? You know?
1: Right. That's a good point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Other earlier updates to the bill call for not only expunging of previous low level marijuana convictions, but for a preference for licenses to sell, to be uh, the licenses to sell, to be given to those affected by earlier convictions. This sounds pretty amazing if they're able to do that. Say you've been a victim of this, you've done this, and now you are um, a person that can benefit from this change in this law um, and actually become someone to help distribute this and uh, move it around. Um, It feels like society is really changing their view about this. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I I think it's really interesting and it's pretty hopeful uh that this could be a possibility because um you know n- not only does it sort of turn uh turn the history on its head but it's also it really helps people because you know that they were in this business and they understand it so it gives them the opportunity now.
0: Yeah, I know that definitely this is um something that's come come up a lot uh with my students a lot of them are talking about this sort of thing i work at a college in the city and a lot of them you know are coming from communities that have been affected by this the first thing they see obviously is dollar signs and they're trying to figure out how to um, benefit but the reality is one when these changes are made it really takes a long time for the rollout to affect the you know most vulnerable among us i think
1: right
0: yeah so according right to-
1: right because yeah go ahead i'm sorry i yeah because you know in if we look at the other states where it's been legalized and if we just look around us actually a lot of uh you know a lot of venture capital and a lot of Big business now is already sort of readying itself for legalization and for a more nationwide legalization. So even if we're getting these programs in place for the individuals, um, the reality is, you know, these much more powerful forces are already getting ready to get a big foot in the in the market.
0: Exactly. So that brings me to my next question. Um, you know, um, Floyd Jarvis, who is the head of the Canarsie Neighborhood Alliance, he emphasized the need to keep... Black markets, black, um, quote, unquote. Is this new green rush that many people have been jumping on board? Um, you know, this is this new thing. It's like, who can benefit from this the most? Um, however, when these markets level themselves, what can we do to keep them in the hands of the people that need it the most? I mean, not trying to limit anybody's access to it, but as we move forward with this new legislation, is there anything that can particularly be done to stop the market from being consumed by Uh, people who have done this in the past?
1: Yeah, I think it's really tricky. You know, um, I think the first step is just regulation. And I think in New York, with our political atmosphere now, we can, in our leadership, we can uh, keep strong regulation in place uh, to limit, you know, um, dominance in the market. But it's so hard, right? You know, we see all throughout this country's history, it just happens again and again.
0: Yeah, I think one of my major concerns, um, as I do believe that action towards this bill and movement in this direction is positive. You know, I've always been an advocate for cannabis and from a health perspective, definitely, Um, since I was young. You know, I'm from Ohio. We had hemp fest and things like that back when I was in undergrad, um, where there were, you know, people that were our seniors at that time kind of advocating for the changes in this. But my issue is that, you know, how do we have this conversation with the youth? You know, uh, it is a drug. It can gateway to other things, but in the same context, it could be used for good. Um, I would like to see that the legislation would actually make, you know, some sort of concerted effort of educating the youth about the effects, the long term, short term. And just, you know, how how the youth should approach this change. I think that would really be important. What do you think about that?
1: yeah I think that's a good idea just with you know with everything uh with alcohol with um, you know uh, sex it's it's important to just have a conversation with young people who don't have much exposure to it yet so that they feel like it's not it's not something that they're dealing with on their own for the first time
0: absolutely you know we have to make sure that they are aware of what can be done or what could happen um, the dangers of it and then anything else that could happen in the, in that you know, with with their uh, exposure to it as well. Um, so definitely something to look forward to. And I think that um, our guests can speak a little bit to that. But before we uh, invite her into the conversation, we have one more local news story. Um, the New York City Council passed a bill last week that will require owners of commercial spaces uh, to register those spaces with the Department of Finance in an effort to track and reduce storefront vacancies. The storefront tracker, as it's known now, will be public and be able to be used as a tool for prospective renters, community groups and urban planners. Um, so this is different. Uh, definitely a, a change for New York City. I think we see a lot of local businesses going out of business now. I know within my neighborhood, there's a lot of spaces that are just left there. And, um, you know, you don't exactly know what happened to these businesses. You just see they're open one day and close the next. So uh, definitely an interesting time to be a New Yorker. Um, According to AM, AM New York's reporting, Councilwoman Helen Rosenthal, a sponsor of this bill, says we have witnessed the loss of far too many small businesses in the last several years, leaving on empty storefronts behind. Losing this economic ladder limits opportunity and contributes to New York's growing economic inequality. Does this tracker tool feel like the solution to this vanishing of small businesses in New York? What do you think, Violet? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's definitely a good
1: uh, start because um, just like transparency and visibility, that's a big thing that we still don't have a lot of the time in New York, especially with real estate, you know, so the people on the ground, the people who live in the neighborhoods uh, don't know what's going on with these giant, you know, playing cards for real estate interests. Uh, and it, it allows people to just sort of um, trade them and, you know, make themselves wealthy, far above our heads. Uh, So when we see what's going on, what's vacant, what's available, what's in play, uh, we have more of a say on what it can be used for. So I think that's a good idea.
0: And I think it would definitely help those, um, you know, like us young entrepreneurs who are interested in maybe opening business to find out, you know, what happened there. You know, because a lot of times it seems like it's something that's so difficult to acquire and be able to have a storefront. Um, And then the other part of this is the skyrocketing rents in New York City. I can't even imagine what it's like for a new business owner to open a business and have to um, consider the cost of the rent of the space. I mean, this definitely um, is an issue facing all of us right now in New York City.
1: Definitely. All right. It's a real challenge for small enterprise.
0: Yes, definitely. And hopefully this, you know, this new system of tracking these spaces will not only open a conversation, but give us um, some outlook for people who aspire to have their own spaces. Yes. All right. So we're going to take a break for some music. Um, please stay tuned. We have our guests in the studio, Miss Monroe. She's here to talk about all of the wonderful things that she's been working on. But before that, we're going to get into some music. This is uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. You're listening to Objection to the Rule. Stay with us. Okay, so just hanging on just a second, folks, we're having some technical difficulties with the music. You just give us a moment here. We'll be right back. So, Violet, why don't you tell me a little bit about your transition? I know you're preparing to go to grad school. Can you tell us a little bit about the move and how's it going for you right now? Sure.
1: Happy to. um, so I'm preparing to move to Indiana for about a three-year uh, combined master's program, uh, and it's a journalism and uh, it's cultural studies. So I'm going to be uh, moving early uh, next month, coming up um, just uh, over to the Midwest, taking most of my New York life and apartment uh, and taking it over there. Uh, and it's interesting because I'm, you know, I grew up in, New York. And then I came here after college uh, again. So I've seen, you know, I've seen this city change so much. It's, it's funny when you reach a transition period like this, you know, everything, everything sort of like, you're reminded of all these different periods of your life in the city. And and it becomes more emotional when you see it changing as a place. So uh, I've been thinking about all those things.
0: Well, hopefully you'll be able to make it back to visit us once you're all settled there. Maybe come back and visit us during the holidays. Oh, yeah, I would love
1: to do that. Thank you. I mean, I'm so happy to see everything you guys are doing with the show. I think it's in really capable hands and um, you're doing things that I never thought of, which is really exciting.
0: Right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll definitely look forward to our reconnection again. Um, So now we're ready to take this break, folks, if you just stay with us. Um, you're now listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn.
2: Your medication makes me high. Just be patient. I'm like a patient trying to find levitation. Run your fingers down my spine. Elevation. Your medication makes me high. Hey. Such a short way up on such a long way. love you, Mary Jane. You're the prettiest of flowers, girl, my not complain. When I'm with you, i feel so high, I rise above the rain. Are you not the people damage like that bitch cocaine. No, I leave them lonely, feeling only pain. Cause your DNA is of the highest strain. Your effect is so potent, it's so insane. You're so gummy and sticky like a plus sustain. When the grain out oh, your body, only stems remain. Across the seven seas For your energy But you're an enemy Catching felonies For the remedies In your recipe
0: show um that was medication remix uh with stefan marley, marley. Uh, definitely a good cue for our next guest uh we'd like to welcome to the studio nicole monroe hello nicole
3: hi thank you for having me
0: thank you for being here how are you dear
3: i am doing well today
0: i know you had like a serious uh issue trying to get here on the train this morning
3: yeah but nothing's gonna stop me
0: i know that's right well that's <laughs> awesome Okay, well, Nicole, why don't you tell us a little start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, some of your passion project, as you had referred to to it yesterday when we were speaking.
3: So my name is Nicole Monroe and I have a business called Nicole Monroe Designs, where I do graphic design work for predominantly corporate clients. Okay, And um, so that's my bread and butter.
0: All right. Right. We
3: all got to have that. We all have to have our bread and butter. But my passion project is called Honoring the Dash. The dash is your life, right? And that stemmed originally from, uh, as a graphic designer, I was doing a lot of funeral programs, very fancy uh, funeral programs that truly honor the life of a loved one, right? And uh, my tagline has always been honoring the dash. I've been doing this for about 15 years. And I said one day, why do we honor so much? We really honor folks when they are Yeah. Yeah. You have hundreds of people that will come and see you when you're on your way when you're out of life Mm -hmm. as opposed to focusing on how we honor our lives when we are alive and breathing. Exactly. And so for me, honoring the dash is a movement where I create a space that invites people to think about their lives while becoming more intentionally conscious about their evolution, how they show up in the world. How they serve others and how they do the work that honors their creator.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, and so I launched last year.
0: Yes, I was there. Yes. I came to your launch. It was incredible.
3: I love it when my friends come and support me, and you know, and other small businesses. And so it's um, again, I invite uh, speakers to come in and talk about what it is that they're doing, thus to um, allow other people to think about what it is that they're doing in their lives that they, where they want change. Okay. Right. It's the shift in mindset. And um, I had about one or two other speaker series and it's evolving. Honor and the Dash is literally evolving um, over the last year for me. And I'm adding in events as well as travel since I am an avid jet setter. Yeah, she'd be
0: on the move, y'all. <laughs> uh, Nicole and I actually met on a trip with our church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, to South Africa a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we were working on a primary school called TAB out there that my sc- church has adopted. And uh, she frequently goes back. She definitely has some family out there in South Africa. Shout yes, out I to did. South Africa and all y'all peoples out there. Pearl and Ernisha. Yes, definitely. And, and uh, speaking of Emmanuel, we're planning another trip next year. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, so am I. Am I. All right. So, Nicole, this timing couldn't be any any better. Um, You definitely have a new project that you're working on and engaging with a new organization, um, which goes along with one of the topics that we just spoke about um, in the news. So women grow. Yes. Yes. Women grow. We love women grow. So please tell me, how did Nicole Monroe, Honor Nadesh and Women Grow come together to formulate whatever the projects are that you're working on right now?
3: So talking about my creator i had gone to i have a business coach and she had a summit and at the summit there was a woman who spoke about what she does her name is gia moran and um gia spoke and after listening to her i realized i know this woman turns out we knew each other in our 20s oh wow and after hearing her speak i said i don't know what it is she does you know fully but i want to know her again okay because she was just so powerful and I had asked her to speak at my launch, but she was unable to. And I just said, God, I just want her. I want to be able to work with this woman. Right. Three months later, my pastor comes up to me, Pastor Anthony L. Trufant. Shout out Trufant. <laughs> he comes up, screams my name in the middle of the church and calls me over to say, you know, there's this whole cannabis movement. The community is not aware of it. And I want you to co-plan the event. With Gia Moran said, oh, my God. Wow. And it was shocking to me that literally three months is immediate.
2: Um, yeah. It's immediate
3: time. Especially for something of that large scale. Yeah. And what it turned out to be was a summit. Okay. Where we, would in, we invited uh, the community to come and hear professionals in the cannabis space about various topics relating to cannabis. So, just just
0: to clarify, this, folks, this
3: happened at the church. This happened at the church. It was February 23rd. Emmanuel Baptist Church is the first church in the country to do a summit on cannabis. Purely wow. cannabis. There was no ingest. We didn't ingest cannabis. We didn't smoke. Uh, Emmanuel is not a weed church. Let's be
0: clear. Yes, please. Okay. That's not what we're saying here. That is not
3: what we're saying. What we uh, the goal was to educate.
0: Purely educate
3: our community, uh, specifically the Black and Brown community, about cannabis. What is it? What is it used for? Um, demystifying the de, de, demystifying the myths of cannabis, right? Um, and even talk about legalization. Talk about uh, the people who have and are incarcerated because of it, and the changes that are going on currently. Okay, uh, about it, and so it was. So successful. Uh, It was in the news. We had our uh, district attorney for the state of New York there, uh, Tish James. We had uh, Hakeem Jeffries, um, our Brooklyn Borough President. Not Brooklyn Borough President. I'm sorry. Brooklyn District Attorney, Gonzalez. He was there as well as some other political figures in our community. And everyone was supportive of what we were doing. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think it's really important to, to just say that, you know, I often come on, on air and I tell about the wonderful projects that happens at Emmanuel. I have learned so much. I actually attended that first meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a person who's been an advocate for cannabis my, almost my entire adult life, uh, that meeting opened up so much more. You know, I have family members that deal with different types of disease that they take all types of medications for. And I think that the wave that we're seeing now, um, in the cannabis discussions is why? Why was it prohibited so long ago? What was the benefit of it? And how can we transform this conversation? I think that's so important. It is important. We
3: are raised to believe that what is prescribed to us yeah. is what we must take in order to alleviate pain,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: anxiety, whatever the issue is someone is having. Uh, we have to be prescribed a, a chemical. Mm hmm. To alleviate that issue. Right. And I'm new to the cannabis space. I've never smoked before. Okay. I I was deathliest. I was like, keep (laughs) that away from me. Right. But what I've learned in six short months, it's that cannabis is life. Mm -hmm. Right. And that um, big pharma does not want us to know the benefits of the plant. Right. Um, it's in the Bible. We have access to every green thing mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. The plant is included. Right? Okay. But if you know what the benefits are, you won't use what they've prescribed for you to heal thyself.
0: All right. That's definitely an interesting approach to it. And that's some of the things that I learned uh, when I attended that first conference. Violet, are you there? Yes. Yes.
1: And actually, that's so true what you're saying. it's That's always so true when you're talking about I think the um, the pharmaceutical industry right because just like you say you know they have their products they want to tell you what to do and the, I think so much in this uh, culture is set up around uh, you know we can't use plants we don't have that knowledge we don't have those skills we have to use the products around the plants. Well, we can. We I, Violet,
3: can. let me say this to you: we can use the plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about knowledge is power. They've been saying this since we were young and we have to educate ourselves. And what we don't know, we have to go out and seek. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think, and also uh, it's interesting, like the generations, um, which that were a part of this original programming at, at there were people, young people, older people, middle-aged people that came to just get the knowledge. And I think that's one of the most um, remarkable things around this conversation.
3: It is. And if I may add as well, a month after that event, I have a friend of mine, she's in her 60s, mm-hmm. and she had purchased a product that was CBD-infused. So it was a cream. They add X amount of uh, milligrams of CBD okay. into their uh, product, and she had been using it at that time for a month on her knee where she had joint problems. She had gotten to the point where she stopped using her medication mm-hmm. because the topical was working, penetrating through the skin and alleviating alleviating the pain that is was in her knee. Wow, that is unbelievable. She doesn't have to ingest mm-hmm. some sort of chemical in her body. Mm-hmm. She could just use the topical on her knee. And if I also, I would like to also add, um, I think Violet said something about the big companies are ready to, readying themselves. They're not readying themselves. They're in it. Yeah. So what we don't know is that a lot of these larger pharmaceutical companies are already investing in cannabis mm-hmm. and they are the ones owning some of the dispensaries Okay, and uh, they're already in this business. They're, they're already not making about a lot it, right? of money. No, they're not. They're giving, they actually are giving you options without you even knowing it. So their dispensary, you get the cannabis or you get the prescription, but either way they're going to make their money.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's definitely um, a topic that we need to spend a little bit more time on, um, Violet. I would like to add, invite you in. Do you have any questions for Nicole?
1: I'm sure. Um, yeah. Well, it's great to have you on the show, Nicole. I'm, I'm so you. glad that you came in, um, and it's so fascinating. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, as a small, you know, you you uh, you already have your uh, honoring the dash um, uh, project. Uh, I'm wondering how this is different, and how how being in such an emerging field has a different feel for you or or if it does if it's a, if it's a different experience for you to get started in uh, in cannabis and marijuana
3: well, thank you so much for asking me that because i didn't answer the question about women grow. Women grow is a company that develops women leaders in the cannabis space. It is a wonderful. Uh, I call them a secret society of strong women who are uh, educating the public and developing their own businesses around cannabis. And we have our press, the CEO of women grow is Dr. Shonda Macias. She has a dispensary in um, Washington, DC and Gia Moran is now the president of women grow with honoring the dash. It is perfect because it's a subject matter that I now strongly believe in because it gives us freedom to choose how we want to heal our bodies. Mm -hmm. Right. And I actually believe cannabis is the best way uh, to do that. And so what Emmanuel Baptist church has allowed me and women grow to do is to curate events at the church to continue the conversation on cannabis. So it's still called the business of cannabis, continuing, uh, is c- continuing, right, is continuing the education um, of the subject. And um, we had our first event after the initial event, was, which was in May. This next event is coming up next Wednesday, or this Wednesday, actually, July 31st. Is yes. At, so, yes, yeah, so it's at six o'clock in the evening, $35 to show up and learn. And this particular subject is cannabis and health the benefits of cannabis and hemp as medicine. And I think that is really important to come out for folks to come out and hear what we have a doctor on the panel, Dr. Carol Hartridge, as well as a nurse who started her own business, Kibra. She has a business called Canna Health. And We also have a sponsor, Sativa, who will be coming in talking about how to receive a marijuana card. So it's all of this information that is going to benefit the public about why cannabis is medicine.
0: Wow. So this is going to be a really great uh, meeting this week. I'm definitely going to be in the building. I want to hear what's going on. I want to meet these women that are um, leading in this industry and just kudos to you for just being so open to it.
3: Yeah, I I don't want to close myself to anything our Creator has for me and us to do. There's yeah. a lot of work that needs to be done, and it's there. And, and and Emmanuel is going to be once every other month. There are events throughout the city that uh, relates to cannabis, and I just tell I would tell anyone learn, learn, learn. I'm new to this space, mm-hmm. and so as I curate these events, I too am learning about why it's so important. For legalization to happen, especially here in New York City, because once it happens in New York, it's going to be a trickle effect. It'll set a precedent, right? yes, as well as it's talking about setting a precedence, precedent. Precedent uh, at Emmanuel Baptist Church, it being the first church to do a summit on cannabis. Other churches have now, since then, mm-hmm. have has asked Women Grow to mimic and create the same experience at their facility that we did at Emanuel. So
0: it's that's awesome. Yeah.
3: It's been a really great ride so far.
0: It's really great to see this movement taken off in such a way in, in a faith-based organization yeah. to kind of just really, um, take the stigma away that's something that we were talking about before about the different families that have been affected this from a legal perspective definitely of the organization I belong to at the church impact we definitely are a part of the the planning and and putting through of other programming that will um, educate our community so I'm just really happy to have you here today so of everything we talked about you know what are you looking forward to the most with this work
3: I want to make sure that I am advocate you know, I'm not as I said to you yesterday. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, social advocacy is not something that I do, and I'm not proud of. Right? <laughs> or I do it in a way that is not overt. Let right. me say it that way. Um, so, in terms of cannabis, I, 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 I am the type of person that would I would be sick for days, mm-hmm. and and, ter- and drink as many teas flush the body out. I will find so many ways to not use pills Mm -hmm. to make my body better. Right. And because it's a chemical, Mm -hmm. right. And there is something God already gave us that we can use to not be so anxious to um, alleviate pain, whatever the need is with epilepsy. There's just so much going on that I want to be able to help other people. To help themselves yes that is that is my call in life, okay, I'm clear on that and and cannabis is no different it it really isn't, and once the stigma is gone, we're going to be able to talk about it like we talk about coca-cola all right, yeah.
0: Well, I I definitely feel privileged to be in the company of such greatness. Um, Uh And I'm just really, really proud of you, you know, from one woman to another, from one friend to another. I've seen you grow so much in the past couple of years. You You could not be more of a leader and just somebody to aspire and look up to. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing so much information with us. Uh, Before we close out with this interview, Violet, would you like to add anything? Oh, just
1: just uh, just. Echoing you, so grateful to have you on the show, and uh, it's such an opportunity to learn about this. You know, I think Emmanuel is really a leader in uh, in making taking away the stigma and uh, educating the community. So it's yeah. great to hear the story.
3: Yeah, and our next event, which would be the last Wednesday in September, we're going to be talking about investing in cannabis and what that looks like. So all I would say to anyone, come get a word on cannabis, and we're just. Uh, disseminating information so that you can be more informed
0: all right so nicole how can people uh, follow you what are your handles what's your math sis? so you can follow me at
3: honoring the dash on instagram as well as facebook it's honoring the dash
0: all right. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a short break. Um, when we return, we'll talk a little bit about some national news, find out what's going on uh, with the Trump administration. Had a lot of action on Twitter this week. So we're going to take a look into that and dig a little deeper into the stories. Uh, this is Radio Free Brooklyn and Objection to the Rule. Stay tuned.
4: sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy There's vomit on a sweater already Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous But on the subject, looks calm and ready to drop Bombs, but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down The whole crowd goes so loud He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out He's choking now, everybody's joking now The clock's run out, time's up, overblown Snap back to reality, oh, there goes gravity Oh, there goes gravity Choked, he's so mad, but he won't give up. That is he no, he won't have it this hold back to these ropes it don't matter he's dope he knows that but he's broke he's so stagnant he knows when it goes back to this moment but home that's when it's back to the lab again yo this whole rap city better go capture this moment hope it don't pass and lose yourself in the music the moment you own it you better never let it go you only get one shot not miss your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime lose yourself and I do not miss a chance to play This opportunity comes once in a lifetime The soul's escaping Through this hole that is gaping This world is mindful, they're taking Make me king as we move toward order New world order I know my life is boring superstar, I'm post to post only grows hotter, only grows hotter, he grows it's all over, these hoes is all on him, coast to coast shows, he's known as a trotter. lonely roads got on the nose, he's gone farther from home, he's no father, he goes home and barely knows his home daughter, but hold your nose, cause here goes the cold water, his hoes don't want him no more, he's called Prada, move moved on to the next month. he flows, and knows the shoulder, a, and shoulder so proper is told And unfolds I suppose it's so partner, But the beat goes on That dum, da, dum da, da. Lose yourself in the music The moment you own it You better never let it go You only get one shot Do not miss your chance Change what you call rage Tear this mother Poof off like Two dogs cage I was playing In the beginning The mood all changed I've been chewed up And spread out From off stage, But I kept rhyming Step right in the next cipher Best believe Somebody's paying The piper. All the pain inside Amplified by the Fact that I can't get by With my nine to five And I can't provide The right type of Life for my family Cause man These goddamn food stamps Don't buy divers, And it's no movie no kite but this is my life And these times are so hard And it's getting even harder Trying to feed and water my seat Plus Tita I caught up between Being a mama and a prima donna Baby father drama screaming on and Too much for me to want to stay spot Another day of my gotten me To the point I'm like a snail I got to formulate a plot or end up in jail Or shot, success is my only mother option, failure's not, mom, I love you, but this trailer's got to go, I cannot, we all in Salem's life, so here I go, it's my shot, beat family night, this may be the only opportunity that I got, lose yourself in the music the moment you own it, you better never let it go, you only get one shot.
0: All right, welcome back to Objection to the Rule. Did you know you can listen to us from your phone? Download the Radio Free Brooklyn app and hear the sounds of Brooklyn Independent Radio anytime, anywhere. So that last song, Redition, I love that song. Um, That was Lose Yourself. It was a jazzy rendition of the Eminem version of Lose Yourself that we all know and love. And uh, the artist is Kelly Lee Evans. All right, so we're going to move on to some national news. Um, The funding of the border wall. Here we go, folks. Uh, The Supreme Court on Friday ruled that the Trump administration can start military uh, could start using military funds to construct a wall on the southern border, uh, handing the president a major legal victory. The ruling allows for administration to use two point five billion dollars in military funds to begin construction on the wall alongside the Mexico border while litigation still plays out on the matter. Um, and just, you know, to recap on this, Trump declared a national emergency earlier this year to reallocate these funds. Uh, and we all remember the 35 long day partial government shutdown uh, in regards to this, where law, both where lawmakers on both sides refused to give him the money. So now here we are a couple months later. Um, this is happening. What do you guys think about this? Is this a sign that the court will not constrain this president?
1: I think it is. You know I think this is this is our sign if we need one, unfortunately, you know, we've had a few Supreme Court decisions this year which have shown that the President can often do what he wants to do, even if the public thinks it's extreme, so um it looks like uh he has the power here
0: yeah unfortunately i f- I feel um like, wow, what do you think about this, Nicole? It's so unfortunate.
3: Yeah, it really is not the best use of what nearly it was two and a half billion dollars. Yeah, it's not the best use of funds. And if it's if they're using military funds, I'm sure that there are military families could, that can use some of that money. Yeah, you know whether it's housing, health, what, whatever it is, they would need the money, not to build the wall to keep people out. Right. You know, so um, I
0: it's unfortunate it's right very unfortunate um i keep saying and every time we have these conversations about trump that all of this is in preparation of this election is coming up um and now that this is happening it's almost like wow he pretty much is delivering on his so-called promises um i think it's interesting to see how this is panning out and it only took what six months for them to make this decision so um, i'm a little nervous to be yeah. honest
3: yeah um yeah and so when you have both parties not necessarily agreeing with him in the beginning, they're agreeing with him now. Is it him? Is it politics is mm. it uh, I don't, I, you know we we attach his name because he's the one who proposed this, but people are just also attracted to the presidency and its power right if they let allow him to do what he wants to do, it's not just Trump doing it, it is the presidency that's doing it. And, you know, in my belief system, I will say that um, this is not just a sign of the times. This is a time for us to be real conscious Mm -hmm. about everything that's going on around us. And for us not to close our eyes to what is happening Mm -hmm. and to be very mindful and prepared for what's coming next. Right. Always being ready for what is coming next. Um, And the hope and the prayers that he does not get reelected, but if he gets each of his wishes and folks are happy and they reelect him, and I don't, I don't even want to talk about being, him being reelected because he wasn't quite elected, hmm. but <laughs> for another show, right? <laughs> and that is for another show. <laughs> but we just got to be a lot more conscious about what is always coming. It seems like he is getting his wishes, and it's scary. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's really, really scary.
0: So interesting enough, last night I began the final season of Orange is the New Black. Um, shout out to one of my church members who's actually in the show. Yeah. She, was, um, Alicia, she was the main character. Yeah. Alicia Powell. Yeah, she was the main character's uh, probation officer. I was like, hey, bro. Um, it was good to see her. But it was a very interesting turn on this season because a, um, what they're showing is some of the members of the original cast who were released from prison were now being put back in prison. And it was the result of an ICE raid. Um, which is something that we're starting to see all the time. So, I, I, you know, shout out to Orange is the New Black for even bringing this topic of discussion onto the film Mm. so we can actually see what this means. Um, But as we continue to see these ice raids plague American cities, hundreds of undocumented people are now being placed in prison waiting on their day in court. Is this wall and the business surrounding it a distraction to the big business of private jails that are benefiting from these raids? What do you guys think?
1: I think it certainly serves as that. Definitely. You know, I think uh now that, that so many prisons are in um private companies uh control you know, they they benefit from all of these uh questionable uh laws that we're taking on.
3: Yeah, and Trump is for big business, always. Right? Isn't he? he's not for the people, he's for big business.
0: I mean I'm sure he's got his hands in some of these, you know, prison pockets as well or Probably owns a few of them. But, you know, it's really sad to think that these people are being shipped off into these, you know, into prisons with, we don't even know. Would they, do they have any representation? Will they have their day in court? Is that going to happen? Um, I found myself as I was watching it last night, like, wow, just, you know, the number that are now placed in these holding cells. You know, it's almost just making space for more people to be drawn into this. And it's scary for these people and their families.
3: Yeah. And America was built on immigrants. Mm hmm. He's married to an immigrant. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. They didn't build anything, but the immigrants that have come out, come from all over the world,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, to, for freedom, to whatever, for whatever their reasons are, this is the melting pot. This is the place where they can become either who they envisioned or become something
2: that they never in, dreamed. They of. never dreamed of. Yeah. Thank you.
3: And, um, I think he's stopping it is as though he just wants to create his own world. Mm, and yeah. that's a thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely
0: a thought because you know, um, this is not something new. Uh, speaking on just no. for uh, one of our final stories of the day is Trump versus Baltimore. Um, definitely an upsetting story. So the Trump tirade continues. Um, he attacked a democratic representative, Elijah Cummings, which is the chair of the house oversight committee um, in this past week. Um, basically talking about uh, Baltimore as a city. On Saturday, Trump tweeted that uh, that, uh, Cummings' Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous than the southern border. He called the city a disgusting rat and rodent-infested mess. Mm. Um, And this is an American city, folks, so it's it's really scary. Um, Trump's latest attack on Cummings, who is originally from Baltimore and now represents uh, Maryland's 7th congressional district, um, was fueled from his response to uh, reacting to the Homeland Security Secretary, Kevin McAllen over the border conditions during the congressional hearing on July 18th. So reaction to Trump's tirade was swift. And Baltimore's Mayor Bernard Jack Young, uh, he tweeted yesterday, This is completely unacceptable for the political leader of our country to denigrate a vibrant American city like Baltimore and to viciously continue to attack U S representatives. Um, just in this past week, we know that he had put his sentiments of the four, uh, Congresswomen and, uh, representatives, um, out there for everyone to speak about and say, um, and just really telling them to go back where they came from, which uh, three out of four of the women were actual American citizens. Um, so this is really sad. You know, this pattern of racist commentary from Trump has been seen by all for many years. We've seen it um, over the past couple of months in some some movies that are showcasing Trump, you know, before his presidency. we we can go back and find storylines of this type of um, commentary that he has offered. At this point, would you consider that his use of racism is a political strategy?
3: Uh, no, I hmm. uh, no because he's been racist. Okay. Uh, so it's, I don't think that it's political. I just think it is who he is. And as always. And so what he's doing now, because he is a politician. Right. He's using it even more so. I think as we get older, we become more of who we already are. Hmm. And this okay. is who he is. Or less afraid to show it. Right. And less because he's the president. He doesn't have any fear.
1: Violet, know? what do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. I think Trump is who he is in all of this rhetoric we're seeing. Maybe he's employing it in some ways to, uh, to rile up his base, but that is who he is at his core. If, if there is a core. Um, (laughs) Good question. Good, good
0: comment there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think that, uh, back to what you were saying just at the beginning of this segment, you know, you know, Trump is who he is, but also he is Us, you know, not all of us, certainly, but he is this country to a large extent, you know, they they didn't elect him, but they voted him in large numbers, you know, and they stayed by him because, you know, he's not he's not a radical for them. For them, he is. Representing what they fear, what they believe, what they want, what they want to You're keep right. for this country. I yeah. think that the only way that we can, you know, move past him uh, and his administration is to realize this, you know, and uh, and figure out a way to to move ourselves into a different direction.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's it's important for us to speak on these topics and to continue to bring them up. You know, it's almost like you hear this all the time. You keep hearing it. But we cannot normalize this behavior. We Absolutely can't not. ever let this happen and not speak out against it or at least let people hear it again. Sometimes you can't even believe sometimes the things that you hear um, and that somebody would have the audacity to go, um, you know, on camera at this point and just, you know, spew this hatred All over. I mean, I think it's really scary. And I like to believe that the America we live in today has changed. It has grown. It is something different. But at its core, um, what are we really representing today? I think I'm really confused. And um, I think the rest of the world is, too. But it's important to denote that Trump is not America. He is one man. He should not have that much power. And as long as we have the power of our own voices, we can definitely fight against it. I agree. I agree. All right, ladies, well, we've made it to the final part of the show. I'd like to thank you, Nicole, again for coming on and representing your organization, Thank you, empowering other young women. And Violet, it's always a pleasure, whether you're far or near. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you. And thank you, Teresa, for leading a great show today.
3: Absolutely. I agree.
0: Thank you. It's all in the making, man. It's all in the making. (laughs) So that's it for this week's Objection to the Rule. Thank you for listening. You can catch all of our shows on Radio Free Brooklyn on the app and listen up next for more independent Brooklyn radio. See you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.